been doing a series called Sacred, uh, speaking about relationships, the power and meaning of relationships, God's heart for relationships, and how He wants to work in and through your life, um, through the context of your connection with others. And it's been such a powerful series as we've spoken about relationships, spoken about love, um, and the different kinds of love, and the God kind of love, and spoken about marriage and about family. And this morning, I'd like to talk to you about sacred dating and singleness, sacred dating and singleness. These seem to be the people that whenever uh, sermons on relationships and love get preached at church, it's normally in the context of people that are already in relationships or that are married, and all the singles are sitting there going, but what about me, Lord? Why have you forgotten me, Lord? For some singles, their mantra, their prayer that they pray is echoing the words of Jesus on the cross, oh God, oh God, why have you forsaken me? And you feel like you're the only person, and we never talk about you, and we never help you. And, uh, and so it's important that as we have people in our church that um, are single, that may have been single for a long time, um, that, uh, that may have just started dating, or perhaps you were married and you divorced, or there was some breakdown in that relationship, and now you're single again after many years, we have people in all of those categories here in our church, and we love you, we care about you, um, and, and, and we want God's best for your life. We believe that God has got a plan for your life, no matter how it might feel right now. Uh, we believe that God has got a future. Do you know how, how, how much honor we can give to single moms? and to single dads, and to, and to those that are trying to raise their families, um, you know, by themselves. It's, it's difficult enough when you're a team. It's difficult enough when you're a village. You know, they say it takes a village to raise it. That's hard enough. But when you're single, and you're doing that, and you're still at church, and you're, you're still bringing your kids to church, and you're still doing your best to raise them knowing Jesus, um, you know, I just want to honor all of the single moms and the single dads, and those that have done their best um, to, to, to raise up their children and to answer God's call on their lives and to be faithful. And so there are many single people here today or those that are, that are dating, those that are not yet married. And, um, and I know that this can be a difficult time. Uh, it can be a tumultuous time. It can be a time that feels like an emotional roller coaster um, for much of it. And in that process, you experience a lot of insecurity. There's a lot of self-doubt that happens for people that are single and a lot of fear about the future and even regret about bad experiences. If you've had some bad dating relationships or some breakdown in relationships, um, you might actually experience some fear as to how do I get back in the game again? How do I put myself out there again? How do I trust again? How do I step into a relationship in a healthy way again? How can I commit again if I've been hurt in the past? And, um, and whenever I talk about bad dating experiences, I always think back to my younger brother. He's seven years younger than me. And I think about his first dating experience when he was about 16 years old, right? So for the first time ever, he got up the courage um, to, to invite a girl out on a date. And obviously, here in South Africa, you only get your driver's license at the age of 18, which means he needed a lift. Uber wasn't around back then yet, and so he had to ask my parents to actually take him on his first date, which is awkward enough already. Um, and so my parents took him, and they dropped him off at the mall, and they said they were going to go watch a movie. And so my parents dropped them off and, you know, watched them kind of go off into the mall um, to watch their movie together. And then my parents were like, well, what do we do now? We're already here at the mall. We might as well walk around a little bit. We might as well go and have, um, you know, some dinner or just relax. And they said, hey, well, why don't we go watch a movie? Um, and um, they picked the movie that they knew, obviously, my, my brother wouldn't be in. 
and they got their tickets in. They got in just as the movie started. And uh, you know when the lights come up, and for the first time you can kind of see who's sitting next to you, the lights came up, and they were sitting in the seats directly next to my brother. (laughs) And what's worse is they didn't leave. They stayed for the entire movie, and my brother didn't move a muscle the entire time. He just sat there. And afterwards, he's like, what are you guys doing? I mean, I don't understand. Like, I'm coming on my first ever date, and I have to spend the entire movie sitting next to my parents on my first date. And so that always uh, is a good one for me to remember back to. Um, But I know a lot of uh, singles that have struggled and battled with thoughts like, is there something wrong with me? If I'm single, is it because I'm damaged goods, or is it because nobody will be able to love me? Am I destined to be lonely? Am I destined to be single forever? Um, and, and even some people struggle with the thought, has God forgotten me? Has He heard my prayers? Does He care about my future? Does He want me to be lonely, or does He have a relationship for me? And these are the kinds of thoughts that lead many single people um, into a state of desperation. They lead many single people into this trap of lowering their standards and settling for something that's less than God's best. That's less than what God has for them, um, and that's even less than what their own values and their own standards would require. They drop their own personal standards because of the fear of being lonely, and, 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 so, and so they just say, well, somebody is better than nobody. Um, anybody is better than nobody, and so I might as well just try this and see if it works, and it leads to many broken situations. It leads to many broken hearts and bad decisions when we do that. And so the question today is that I'd like to answer is, does God have a plan, first of all, for your singleness? Does He have a plan for you as a single person? Does He have a plan for you as an unmarried person? Um, Is He involved in your journey? If you desire to be married, do you believe that God is involved in that journey? And if your desire is to remain single, for some of us, that's a, that would be the, the minority because for most part, God uh, sets us in those relationships. But there are people that God calls to singleness um, for, for a lifetime. And if that is in your heart, if you feel called to that, um, then is there a plan in that for you? Or has God forgotten about your desires? Has He forgotten about you as a person in your journey? And that's the first question I'd like to look at. And secondly, um, have, the question is, have we turned marriage into an idol? Have we turned marriage into an idol? Believing that you can only be happy when you get married. And until that, such a time as you find that person and get married, you're somehow unfulfilled and, and incomplete and, and worth less in the eyes of God and in the eyes of people around you. Are you missing out by focusing on the then rather than experiencing the now, rather than experiencing the fullness of the season that you're in because we know that our God is a God of seasons. He sets it in nature. There is a winter before the spring comes, and then there is a summer, and then there is, is, is an autumn, and, and, and there, is, there are seasons that God has in our lives. And the book of Ecclesiastes says that there is a time for everything. Have we begun to, uh, to, to look too far ahead without understanding what God is doing in this current season? And are we missing out as a result? Are we skipping steps as a result? Are we not allowing God's full work to be done before we move into the next, um, into the next season? If you're tired of having one bad dating experience after another, then maybe it's time that instead of just trying to rush into the next season, that you step back and reflect. 
that you step back and speak to God, that you step back and, and take some time out to hear from Him and grow and focus on your relationship with Him and discover how He might be using this season of singleness or this season of dating um, to shape you and to mold you and to, and to work on the inside of you and to develop your faith and your walk in Him. And that might mean calling it quits for a while. That might mean waiting on God for a while. That might mean that you, that you stop running after every other uh, person as a, a, you know, for a relationship, for fulfillment, for satisfaction, because, because you're trusting that at the right time, the right person will come along and God will do what He has promised to do. So it might mean that you just need to take a step back. And so what I thought I would help you with is a couple of excuses that you can give to people that are inviting, that are asking you out on a date, especially the girls. If a guy comes up and asks you out on a date here at church, they might want to use some Christian pickup lines. Don't fall for it, right? <laughs> Unless you feel the peace of God, don't fall for it. Um, and so these are some ready-made excuses that you are free to use if you would prefer to not go on a date. And, uh, and, all, and you can say, I'm sorry, I can't go on a date with you because I need to change the air in my tires, I have some really hard words to look up in the dictionary. None of my socks match. I have to study for my blood test. My uncle escaped again. It's my goldfish's birthday. I have to wash my hair, which is one that a lot of girls actually use. My hamster is having a heart transplant. I need to take my computer apart and then put it back together again. I'm busy cleaning the blood off my axe. My dad said, I can't date until I'm married. <laughs> I want to spend more time with my blender. I'm trying to see how long I can go without saying yes. I'm attending the opening of my garage door. <laughs> I'm being deported. My subconscious says no. I'm running off to Yugoslavia with a foreign exchange student. I promise to help a friend fold roadmaps. I'm trying to be less popular. I have to rotate my crops. I'm having my baby shoes bronzed. I have to hide the bodies. I have to go over there. It's against my religion. I just found out we're related. Pity. And finally, I just spoke to Jesus, and he says I should hold off for something better. All right, so... Okay, maybe don't use that last one. Okay. But those are just some ready-made excuses uh, that will help you if you feel that you've been running after one relationship after another, and maybe it's time to ask God what His best for your life would be. Maybe it's time to trust in Him and His timing. And so here are a few thoughts that I would like to share with you today, three main thoughts um, for anybody that's single, dating, or waiting, okay? Single, dating, or waiting. Um, these are the three uh, thoughts that I have for you. And the first one, and this applies to everybody, the first thought is, and the first truth is, is that marriage is not the mission. Marriage is not the, the, the purpose of your life. Marriage is not the full extent of why God created you. It's not the sole end of your existence, and it's also not the pinnacle of human experience. Marriage doesn't exist in order to just fulfill you and make you happy and, and take away all of your problems. It might, it might well be, and, and for most of us, it would be a part of God's plan for our lives and how He chooses to work in our lives and how He chooses to shape us. But for many of us, or for some of us, it may not be. And so marriage isn't the be-all and the end-all of life. 
oftentimes we have this social pressure placed on us um, by our family and by what we see around us and by all the pictures that we see on social media that's made us feel as if we're somehow incomplete or worthless unless we're married. That if I'm not married, that God can't fulfill His purpose in my life and that He can't do what He had planned to do and that, and that other people view me as, as insignificant or as less uh, uh, worthy and, and somehow I can't be fulfilled or somehow I can't be satisfied or complete God's call on my life unless I have some significant other standing by my side. People feel that way, and they rush into relationships that are the wrong relationships, that aren't God-ordained relationships, and, uh, and I've heard somebody once say that the only thing worse than, than being single is wishing that you were, is wishing that you, because you're in such a bad relationship that you rushed into, that it actually affects you, and it affects the way um, that you are able to live out your call before God, and, and so your entire life's mission is not about getting married. So it's good to sit down um, from time to time, and ask yourself the question, why am I alive? What is the purpose of my life? Why did God put me here? What, what is the meaning of my journey here on earth, and what are the things that I believe that God has called me to? Because the truth is, is that we pursue those things in every season of our lives, whether we're single or dating or married or whatever the case may be. We don't stop pursuing the call of God on our lives. So if you sit down and you step back and, you, and you, you ask those questions, we realize that God has something bigger in store for you. And, and um, the old Scottish and English theologian, theologians of Westminster, um, they wrote this. They wrote, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's the mission. The chief end of your life, the, the, the main purpose of your life is to bring glory to God as your creator and as your father and as your savior to glorify him and to enjoy him forever, to walk in a relationship with him, to, to be fulfilled with the intimacy that you have with your father, with your creator, to allow him to fulfill you and satisfy you and give you your, 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 your significance and your worth. He paid a price for you. You were bought at a price. So don't cheapen the price that was already paid by saying, I'm worth nothing unless somebody else is willing to marry me or be in my life. And so the mission of your life isn't just to get married, it's to glorify God, number one, and walk in a relationship with Him. So I've got these sub-points, so I'll give you the three main points, and then under that some sub-points, and this is the first one, that your mission is to glorify God and walk in a relationship with Him. Isaiah 54 verse 5 says, For your Maker is your husband. Girls, God will always be your first husband. And guys, as the bride of Christ, he's our first husband. He's the, the first lover of our souls. He's the one who loved us first. He's the one who redeemed us. He's the one who saved us. It says, um, the Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. And so God, first and foremost, is our fulfillment. He is our husband. He is our redeemer. He is our savior. He's our first love. And in the book of Revelations, Jesus goes ahead and he says to the church, you've forgotten your first love. You've been so busy pursuing other things and fulfillment in other places and significant from different places that you have forgotten that you are already loved. And it's when we realize his love for us that we are able to love him in return. And so don't forget that that your mission is to walk in a relationship with Him and to experience the love of God. If you won't learn to allow God's love to fulfill you, no human relationship will be able to. 
There's no substitute for the relationship that we have with God. It doesn't matter how many relationships you have. It doesn't matter how great the person is. It doesn't matter how much money you make and success you experience. There is nothing that can fulfill you outside of the love of God. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. There's some encouragement if you're single this morning. God makes known to you the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy, complete joy, complete peace. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's what we experience through a relationship with God. As we walk with Him and enjoy Him, we experience that kind of peace. So your mission isn't marriage, and marriage is not the mission. Your mission is to glorify God and walk in a relationship with Him. My next little subheading, your mission is to serve His bride. I wrote down, your mission is to serve his bride, not just be a bride. Jesus already has a bride, and we are the bride of Christ. It's his church. It's the people that he loves. And he gave everything for that bride. He pursued us across the universe and stepped down into this earth and took on flesh and died on a cross for his bride. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with a word, so that he might present the church, his bride, to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that, he might, that she might be holy and without blemish. God has paid the highest price for his bride, and then he calls us as the bride to serve the bride. He calls us to serve him, to walk with him, and to reach out to others, to encourage one another. We're called to serve the bride of Jesus, the church, which is the most precious thing to him. And often and over and over, the scriptures encourage us to use what God has given us, whether it's our resources, whether it's our time, whether it's, whether it's our gifting, whatever it is that we have that God has gifted us with, to use that in order to build up the body and to strengthen the church and to fulfill God's mission. So we're called, your mission isn't to be married. Your mission is first and foremost to serve the bride of Christ. The third one there is your mission is to reach the lost. Marriage is not the mission. We have got a commission from Jesus himself in uh, Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's the sending out. That's the mission of Jesus. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is what we'll do in two weeks' time here as we baptize people. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That is the mission of our lives. To reach people. To reach the lost. To share hope. To share the gospel. To share the good news of what God has done for us. And that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're married, whether you're engaged. It doesn't matter where you are in that spectrum. None of us are disqualified from that mission. And all of us have a responsibility to answer the call of God on our lives. We have a glorious commission and one from which an unmarried status does not disqualify us. God's mission is to see nations come to the Father and become children of God. And that trumps your mission to just share a last name with someone. You have a bigger mission than just marriage. Now, oftentimes, when we get married, God empowers us in a different way to fulfill those things, but all of us are called to it. And so marriage is amazing. It's a part of God's plan. It's sacred and it's beautiful, as we've discussed before, but it's not the sole purpose for why you're alive. And, and for some people, as I mentioned earlier, singleness may even be a calling. 
And the scriptures say that if you feel that calling, if you feel called to be single, then it's a good thing. So to be married is a good thing and to be single is a good thing. None of them are elevated above the other because God is able to work in all of them. And it actually, in scripture, Paul says, for those of you that are single because Paul was single and, and felt called to single, a single life, it actually gave him the ability to focus wholeheartedly on, on his ministry and what God had called him to do. And for some of you, that may be your story. You're walking with the Lord and, and you're walking with friends and, and, and that's beautiful in its own right. I want to say this, singleness does not equal isolation. Some people think that if you're single, it means that you should go home every day and lock yourself in your room and just watch series and then cry yourself to sleep at night. Um, and, and that's kind of single life. Some of you are laughing because that's what you do. <laughs> but singleness does not mean isolation. We still need relationships. We still need friendships. We still need to walk with others. We still need the church community. We still need family. And God has the ability to walk us through life with lifelong friendships that enables him to do his work through those relationships as some, you know, in, in a way different to but equal to what marriage would do. And so if you're single, if you've been single for a long time, or if you're um, a, a widow or a widower, or if, you, if you're divorced and you're thinking, I, I, you know, I'm single at the moment, and so I'm unfulfilled, you know that the other relationships in your life, God is working through them, and you are not missing out on anything. You're not missing out on anything. God is working in your life, and He works through all of those situations. So that's the first point, is that marriage is not the mission. The second point is that waiting time is not wasting time. Waiting time is not wasting time. If you desire this morning, if you're single and you desire to be married, there is nothing wrong with that. As we, we heard this morning that, that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and you know, gets favor from the Lord. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Proverbs 31 says that uh, a woman of godly character, a wife of godly character is more precious than jewels and, and, and all kinds of, of uh, um, uh, you know, treasures. Um, so so it, it's a beautiful thing, and, it, and, it's, and it's a God-ordained thing. But we must submit to God's process in every step of the way. We must surrender um, our journey to Jesus and trust Him to lead us. Trust Him to walk us through every single season. Trust Him uh, um, that, that He's not holding out on you. That He's not holding back from you. That He's not punishing you. Some people see singleness as a punishment. God, I, I sinned or I had a bad past or I did what I wasn't supposed to do um, or, or I have a broken history or a broken relationship or I did something in the past and now all of a sudden God is saying, no, because you did that, you're going to be single forever. <laughs> but it's not, God is not holding out on you as he always does. Every single season is absolutely packed with purpose and with meaning and with something that he is doing. And oftentimes we don't realize it, but he is preparing you for his purpose. He is straightening you out. Somebody once said to me that, that, that God is going to take me through a process of straightening me like an arrow because when he releases you, um, he wants you to fly true and you will hit the mark. And so sometimes you don't want to be released before your time. You don't want to step into something before you're prepared for it, before God has done, done what he wanted to do in your heart in the previous season because when he releases you, you might just miss the mark. You might just step into something and not be ready for it. Psalm 84 verse 11 says, The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. 
Do you believe today that the promise of God is that He will not withhold any good thing from you? That He will not withhold any good thing from you? And that might just be why you're single right now. Because He's not withholding the good thing that He's doing for you in this season. And also, if you have a desire in your heart, He will not withhold that future relationship from you. He's, he, he loves you. He desires you know, the best for you and, and, and wants to bless you. But he's doing something in your heart and, right, and heart and life right now that you might not recognize. It doesn't feel great, but that's oftentimes when God does his best work. A good thing at the wrong time can become a really bad thing. A good thing at the wrong time can become a really bad thing. So we need to, in a season of waiting, understand that we're not wasting our time, that we're not just losing our lives, that, that we're not just wasting away waiting, but we're resting in Jesus. We're growing in Jesus. We're fixing our eyes on Him. There's two stories in the Bible that are really encouraging as far as this is concerned. And the first one is the story of Ruth. Many of you may have heard the story of Ruth, but um, uh, Ruth was a Moabite, and she resolved as a young widow. Her husband died, and she resolved um, to leave her homeland of Moab and to be faithful to Naomi, um, her mother-in-law. And, she, uh, who was, and, and they were moving to Israel, uh, into the land of Israel. And in Ruth 1 verse 16, we see the promise that she made. And she said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death departs, uh, parts me from you. That's a, that's a massive commitment that she made to her mother-in-law to say, I feel called in my heart to, to serve this woman, and I'm going to follow her where she goes, and I'm going to go where I need to go, and I'm going to do whatever I need to do in order to be faithful to this woman. At the same time, Ruth was a young widow, and she was a Moabite woman now living in Israel, which means she essentially had zero chance of getting married. She essentially gave up the thought of being able to get married again. And, and, um, and if you know the beautiful story of Ruth, um, there's a time when she's, she's in a field, and she's, she's walking through the field and working in the field, and, and all of a sudden she meets a, a young man by the name of Boaz. And God does something supernatural and surprising and out of the blue for Ruth. And all of a sudden, she meets her husband in that field. All of a sudden, um, she, she, she wasn't expecting it. She was just committed and faithful to what she felt the call of God was. And while she was just focused on God's mission for her life, because marriage wasn't her mission, her calling from God was her mission. In the midst of that, God, out of the blue, brought the person that he had destined for her. It was a beautiful story. They say before Boaz met Ruth, he was ruthless. But then... <laughs> She changed all that. Oh, that's such a good dad joke this morning. Theo just caught it now. <laughs> but here's the thing. You cannot plan for things like that. You cannot plan opportunities like that. As hard as you try, you cannot plan those moments. You cannot strategize as a young woman and say, I'm going to go and find my Boaz today. Where's a field? Someone give me a field. I'll just be working in the field and, you know, every two seconds looking over my shoulder to see him arrive. Or as a young guy saying, I'm going to go out and, and find a Ruth today. This is my moment. This is my time. You can only trust in God and allow him to write your story the same way he did for Ruth and Boaz. They were focused on their mission and God 
did something supernatural. I want to encourage single people today to do the same. Focus on what God has called you to do. Be settled and, and at peace in the season. And give your heart to the mission of God. And before you know it, God can do something surprising in your life. In Luke 2, verse 36, just in case you think I'm a hopeless romantic and only focusing on the one side, Luke 2, verse 36 to 37, it says, there was a prophetess, Anna. This is the second story that I love. The daughter of Peniel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. So she was married for seven years, probably sometime into her early or mid-20s. And after that time, her husband passed away, and she was then single for until this time of 84, and it speaks about it in Luke 2. And she says, it says, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. That probably equates to roughly 60 years of singleness. If any of you are like, I've been single long enough. The prophetess Anna was single for, for 60 years, and what she discovered was that her joy came from her walk with God. Her joy came from her journey with Jesus. And the point is that God is able to stun you with a Boaz or a Ruth out of nowhere, but he's also able to keep you fruitful and happy, unmarried, until you're 84. And some of you are saying, please, Jesus, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I rebuke this word this morning. But either way, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. And he has the right time for you. Here's four things real quick that you can do while you're waiting. While you're waiting for that person, here's what you can do. Number one, find your joy in knowing Jesus and serving others. Find your joy. If you're single, if you're waiting, it's not wasting time. Find it in knowing Jesus and serving others because marriage is not the greatest good. Faithfulness to Jesus and his people around you is the greatest good. So find joy in knowing Jesus and in serving others. Number two, don't look twice at an unspiritual man or woman. Don't look twice at an unspiritual man or woman. I know that, that, that spiritual men and women and godly mature men and women are maybe rare, but they do exist. And God is guiding your life. Don't settle for second best. Don't settle for, for somebody who, who is unspiritual because the... the the, the very basis and foundation of a connection and, a, and a, a unity between you and a spouse is having the same vision in life, is having the same values in life. If you don't have it, there's no money in the bank, you're broke. The relationship is broke. But when you have the same future, the same vision, the same heart, then all of a sudden there is something um, to build that relationship on. And, and, and when you are, are looking towards somebody who doesn't share the very core of what all of our lives are, which is our faith and our belief, somebody who's unspiritual in their walk, then it's, it's going to lead to a lot of difficulty in your life. So don't look twice at an unspiritual man or woman. Number three, while you're waiting, be an integral member of a solid church that loves Jesus. Be an integral member of a solid church that loves Jesus. Here I'm just going to tell all of the singles here today that those people uh, or the people that you want to marry are not on Tinder, right? For all the older people that don't know, that's a dating app. 
where you swipe left or you swipe right, depending on whether you like the person. And if you both swipe right, I think, I've never used it, um, then, uh, then you can message each other and you can go out for a date. And so you just po upload a great photo, which is uh, easy to you know, use in, in, as a matter of deception. Um, and, um, and, and for a lot of young people, they've turned almost exclusively. You won't believe how many millions of young people are, are using dating apps in order to meet that person. Can you imagine Ruth or Boaz just being like, swipe left, swipe right, oh, right, oh, let's meet in the field. You know, like just... <laughs> the truth is, is that most of the people on dating apps, and I know that there are here and there a story of where a dating app was successful, um, but, but that's outside of the norm. In general, the people on there are desperate and not genuinely looking for love, not genuinely looking for the right thing. And so you would do yourself a favor to not look there. But like Ruth, you can serve where God has called you to serve. Just serve where God has called you to serve. And that's here. That's here at Anchor Church, if you're a member of Anchor Church or in the church that God has called you to be a part of, but it's part of His church. When you serve and you give your life to that, you may just meet your Boaz. Girls, we have, just for those of you girls that are single, we do have some, some eligible young godly men specifically Brent and Theo, who are still <laughs> single. You just never know what might happen. So what do you do while you're waiting? You find your joy in Jesus and serving others. You don't look twice at unspiritual men or women. You're an integral member of a solid church that loves Jesus. And the final one under that point is that you pray, pray, and pray. Right? You pray about your relationship. If you desire a husband or a wife, you should be casting your anxiety and your longing on the one who cares for you. You should be going to God with those emotions. Don't start dating without praying. And don't stop praying while you're waiting. Don't stop praying. Don't stop going to God for clarity and for advice and, and, and submitting of your emotions to Him. In your prayers... Tell God what the desires of your heart are and then make Him your supreme treasure. Remind yourself that you're not going to be fulfilled by that relationship, that you're going to only be fulfilled by your, your connection with Him. And when I was in a phase of my life where, where I was praying about my future and, and, uh, and, and I had, had, had met Lee, but I hadn't uh, spoken to her yet, I remember feeling a lot of things. And I would go up into this little boardroom on a Saturday after set up, and I would spend hours in prayer. And I, would, I just kept submitting it to Jesus over and over again, saying, God, I don't want to take a single step. I don't want to make a single move unless you are the one who is with me, guiding me and leading me into this. And I submitted those emotions. I said, God, I'm okay with being single until I die because I know I'll be fulfilled in you. But if this is what you have for me, then I pray that you show me the way. And so I was able to start the relationship in prayer and carry it through prayer and continue praying for clarity through the relationship. Um, and, and, and it's been such an incredible journey because at the same time, I grew closer to Jesus. At the same time, I was able to submit whatever I was feeling and saying, God, I want what, what your best for my life. I want that. And I don't want anything else. And I don't want to um, settle for anything less. And so pray about your relationship when you're, before you have it, when you're in it, and through it as well. Um, the third point, finally, this morning. Um, so the first one is that marriage is not the mission. The second one is that wait, waiting time is not wasting time. 
And then the third one is that dating can be done differently. If you are in a space where you have met a person that you believe that God wants you to step into a relationship with, you can do dating different to what the world um, you know, portrays it as and what you see on Grey's Anatomy um, and, uh, and all those. I just mentioned Grey's Anatomy because there's always the same guy with a different girl in that little back room where they sleep. <laughs> and, um, and that's just the world's picture of dating. Is just You can just, you know, um, just... Go with whatever feels good. Just go whatever you think is right in the moment. And, um, and, and, and so if you watch these series long enough, eventually everyone has dated everyone, right? There's like no, they have to introduce new characters because they've all dated each other and married each other and divorced each other and then dated each other again. And, you know, that's pretty much, you know, by the time it gets to season eight, I mean, they're all one big family at that point, you know? <laughs> so don't settle for, God's, for less than God's best. And understand that dating can be done differently. If you do go on a date and it ends up, you realize that this is not what God wants for you and, and, uh, and, and it's not turning out to be such a great date, I have a few more uh, pieces of advice for you of how you can end that date. Okay? So if you're on the first date, these are th- some things that you can say to end that date. All right? Every time the car goes around the corner, one thing that you can do is go vroom, vroom, and lean in that direction. Tell him or her, this is so much fun. It's almost like having real friends. You you know, I don't have any friends, and I'm enjoying this so much. Can we just stay out a few more hours? Okay. You can develop a serious and uncontrollable twitch. Talk back to the voices in your head. After an hour or so, look deep into his or her eyes and tearfully profess that you finally found your soulmate. Burp loudly and then say, I can't wait to get married so I can just let myself go. (laughs) Proudly announce that for your next date, you've managed to arrange two tickets to the meteorology convention. (laughs) Keep scratching your back and then say, I'd love to get some medicine for this ringworm. (laughs) But as a Christian scientist, I don't believe in medicine. Tell her that even though you know it's a little taboo, you really admire Hitler's organizational skills. (laughs) Tell them how excited you are to be out with real human people, then explain that you somehow missed the entire month of July playing World of Warcraft, but you've managed to cut it back to only 21 hours a day now because showering is important. And then finally, pretend you're missing an appointment with a hairless cat breeder, and then cross your fingers and whisper, 12 hairless cats would complete me. (laughs) Okay, so just a few things that you can say if you want to get out of your bad date. But dating and the whole dating scene um, in our world today is filled with a lot of confusion, ambiguity, fear, and insecurity. And uh, for a lot of people that have kind of ventured into the dating arena or put themselves out there, it can feel like it it would literally be safer to swim in a pool of sharks while bleeding profusely from a head wound than entering into the dating scene and uh, and everything that it entails. And so um, there's a lot of just fear and insecurity in this area. But the truth is, is that dating can be done 
differently. You don't have to jump into that swimming pool. You don't, you don't have to put yourself out there in that way as the world kind of prescribes to us. Um, you can, you can uh, first of all, and I come back to this, undergird your dating life or your love life with your prayer life. It starts with your prayer life. It starts with seeking God and it starts with praying about His will and submitting your thoughts and feeling and waiting on His peace in each moment, not just including God on your journey somehow by taking your date maybe to church once, but allowing Him to lead it, allowing Him to lead your journey, to shape your journey, to speak to you on the journey. You can date differently, and here's a few ways that you can do that. Number one, by developing a greater passion for your partner's faith than for your romantic feelings. Develop a greater passion for the faith and the character and the, and the work that God is doing in the person that you're dating or in the person that you'd like to date than, than just purely how they make you feel. Actually pursue something together in terms of a relationship with God. It's far too easy for us to focus on, on the relationship and on the, on the trajectory of our feelings um, or what your boyfriend or girlfriend thinks about you instead of thinking instead of what they think or feel about God, instead of what God feels about them, and instead of developing your vision and your values and your calling together. And so really dating should be, it should be a journey of you um, finding a passion for the person that you care about and that you want to see God's best for their lives and honoring them in that way. That would change the dating game completely. Can you imagine um, going on Tinder and being on the first date and going, you know, I just, I'm just really passionate about your walk with God and I'd like to walk that journey with you. You'd never have a second date ever because those people aren't on Tinder. But when you meet the person that God has for you, that would be something that would mean something to them. And so you can date differently by developing a passion for your partner's faith. Number two, weaving your dating relationship into other meaningful relationships. Actually, being a part of a community and, and being a part of a friendship circle and being a part of a family and, and having leaders that can speak into your life, guarding against isolating yourselves um, as a couple um, and, and your relationship from other believers. Too many relationships do that. Well, we're in a relationship and we'll just lead it the way we want to lead it and we won't let anybody speak into it at all. And one of the greatest privileges for Lee and I has been the fact that we've been able to go to people like Pastor Mark and Cora Hodgetts and regularly meet with them and meet with Phil and, and Sharon Smethurst and sit with Will and Nungi and, and Mona and Militia and Ryan and Kelly and our family and our friends and our staff and people and include them on the journey and have them speak into our lives, have them witness what God is doing and, and give testimony to what God is doing. We need to draw the men and women we need into our feelings, our communication and, and into our decision making. The Bible says there's wisdom in the counsel of many, and so we need to be around the kind of friends that can ask the hard questions. And I've got a couple of people in my life who can do that. Will is probably the primary one. When he, he phones me, and, and, uh, and, and when Lee and I were together, I remember Will saying to me, so what don't you like about her? What, what, what are the issues that you're experiencing? And I'd give my answers, and you know, Will wouldn't give away too much of what he was thinking or feeling, um, but I'm so grateful that I had friends that was vetting my process leaders that were vetting my process around me and, uh, and helped me through that season. And so you need to be around the kind of people that love you enough to ask hard questions. So weave your dating relationship into other meaningful relationships. Number three, asking God for clarity about getting married and waiting for the clarity to come. Asking God for clarity. This is how you can date differently. 
is by actually pursuing. When, when we are dating, it's not just um, for the, frills, the, the thrills of, of dating. It's actually to pursue uh, something that God has for our lives. And that is more than just marriage. It's everything that God does in the dating relationship itself as well. But we do go on these kinds of, of we do date, and, and, and you know, date is kind of the, the, the term that we use in our, in our modern day that most young people understand. But the old English word was the word courtship, which meant that we're actually developing a friendship and a connection and an understanding and getting to know the person and getting to know their values and getting to understand their character and getting to understand how they work. And in the midst of all of that, finding clarity from God, asking for clarity from God as to whether this is the person that he would want us to marry. We submit those things to God. And so you can date differently by asking God for clarity. Psalm 37 verse 5 says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Be still before the Lord, verse 7, and wait patiently for him. So you can date differently by waiting on God's answer about whether or not you should get married, and in the meantime, developing a friendship that will actually support and carry that lifelong commitment. Without that friendship, without that connection, um, you have very little foundation to go on. And so as you go on the journey of dating, always take time to pray, always take time to get clarity from God, and get feedback from those around you. God uses other people as well. The final one this morning, how you can date differently is by honoring God in the way that you date. Honoring God in the way that you date. This means not jumping from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship to another relationship, as many young people do. Not just moving through the motions um, and just trying it with a new person each time, but treating the person that you date with respect and with honor and with purpose. It means keeping your boundaries in check so as to help your partner honor God as well. And that can be a really difficult thing to do if you're in a dating relationship. But keeping your boundaries in check is not actually so much about, about staying away from evil, even though there's an element of that. It's, it's more than that. It's about honoring the person. It's about honoring God, and that's one way that you can date differently. It means asking God to help you put him and them first before your own desires. Putting them first before your own desires. So marriage is not the mission. Waiting time is not wasting time. And dating can be done differently. You can date differently by developing a greater passion for your partner's faith, weaving your dating relationship into other meaningful relationships, asking God for clarity and waiting for it to come, and then honoring God in the way that you date. It means enjoying every moment. God is, has called us to enjoy every moment in, of our lives, whether you are single, whether you are dating, whether you are married. God wants us to experience His best in and through it all. And so my encouragement to you this morning is let's continue to seek God as we find each other. Let's continue to seek Him as we find each other because, because being single and dating is sacred and God works even in those seasons. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray together this morning.